0: Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Okay, great to be here. Um, By my calculation, it's five years since last I preached here at True North. I'm not sure what I said wrong on that occasion, but anyway, uh, it's great to be back here with you today. And because it's been that length of time... um, This is the first time I've actually preached in this larger auditorium. So today I feel like the kid at Thanksgiving who is finally told, from now on you come and eat at the grown-up's table. Right? No more chicken nuggets. I get first dibs on the good stuff. So it's fabulous to be here with you today. And uh, talking to Bert a number of months ago, and we... um, I said to him, well, you take this much needed, well-deserved break. If, if I can help you out one Sunday, I'd be happy to do that. And um, he took me up on it. So here I am. And you've had a great summer series. I've been following it, the, the book club series, and uh, how varied that's been from Aesop's fables uh, through to classics like Moby Dick, and then C.S. Lewis, and then last week, Daniel with Dr. Seuss, and uh, I want to just finish that theme today. I'm not sure if any of you have seen this book. How many of you would have read this book? Okay, maybe you didn't understand the question. Let me try that again. Okay, this is a book. Okay, how many of you have read this book? Okay. Not even one of you put your hand up out of sympathy, did you? What a sad crowd. You need to be in church. (laughs) No, there's a good reason you haven't seen it. I haven't finished writing it. Right? My intention was to, I took the month of July pretty clear. My intention was to finish it, but I didn't quite get it finished. But hopefully it will be finished in the next couple of months and will be published next year. And, uh, Basically, it's a book of reflections on what for me is 73 years of life, 54 years of marriage, and 53 years of pastoring. And uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, life's been full and good. Occasionally, you know, a lot of my peers that I started out with in ministry years ago, in fact, most of them have retired now, and they asked me, When are you going to retire, Roger? I said, When I stop having fun. <laughs> right? That's a good answer, right? I mean, I'm blessed to have a job I don't want to retire from, and um, that's me still going 53 plus years later. And, uh, and what I've done is just written some reflections. Um, on those years of life and those years of ministry. And I called it Lessons from Late in the Fourth Quarter because if my life was a football game, I'd probably be in the fourth quarter. In fact, it may well be late in the fourth quarter. <laughs> you may be sitting there thinking it's overtime, Rog, but stop it. <laughs> so what, I, what, I've done, what I've done in my book is I've laid out a number of things that really for me have become important and that I want to just share with others, things like pursue your passion, face your fears, define success. And then chapter 11, currently in this book, is entitled Live Generously. And that's what I want to talk about today, living generously. I came to know the Lord in May of 1962. It was a month before my 12th birthday. And, and from the time I came to know Christ, I was kind of gung-ho and I was all in. And, and I, I guess I wasn't any more than about 13 years old when one Saturday afternoon, I went to the Christian bookstore in our town and I was just looking. I had some spare money for some reason. I wanted to find something to read. I found a, a book which turned out to be a great book. I still had money left. And you know how teenagers are, right? <laughs> Who wants money left? So I looked around to see what else I could get. And I saw this little poster on the wall. And it was a Bible verse I'd never seen before. Now those of you that are a little older will remember that back in the 1960s in church circles we only, we only operated in King James English, right? So this, this, this scripture that was on the wall said this, this poster, it said, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tendeth to poverty. And I saw that poster and I bought it and I took it home and I put it on my bedroom wall. Now, those of you who are praying that I have the gift of interpretation of tongues will wanna know what that really meant, Right? So it is Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24, and here we are from a more current rendering. Pro- Proverbs eleven twenty four, 24, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So I, I, I took that home. I put it up on my wall. I shared a bedroom with my brother at that time. Um, his side of the room was the tidy side, and mine was the other side. And uh, right along the walls, his side of the room, he had posters of, of bands like uh, The Who, The Rolling Stones, The Bee Gees, The Beatles, uh, most of whom... Some of you are way too young to even remember. But anyway, those were the days of good music. <laughs> so, so, so he had that all the way. Al- That's good. Some of you with me there, right? All right, so he had that. on, And on my wall, I, I, ju- I, I, I gladly put my poster. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And that, for me, became a life commitment maybe 60 years ago and I'm here to encourage you today folks the best way to live is to live generously we live in a world that tells us that the next thing will make us happy whether it's the new cell phone you know the the, the new apple phone next month or 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 whether it's the latest model of your favorite looking car or whatever it might be, the next thing is what is gonna make you happy. The trouble is you can go through your whole life believing the next thing will make you happy, working to get the next thing, and when you got the next thing, you realize it's not the next thing that's gonna make me happy, it's the next thing. You follow that? You're smarter than I thought, okay. (laughs) Right? And you go through your whole life pursuing the things that will make you happy. Okay, newsflash. Things won't make you happy. Look at the words of Jesus quoted in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And most of you will know that the, the, the word translated blessed in our Bibles could also be translated happy. The secret to happiness is to be generous, it's to be a giver. And here's my thought today, many of you here, perhaps you know that, and you say, but if I was in the position to, I really would. But let me tell you this, no one ever accidentally became generous. Nobody ever stumbled into that way of life. And the reality is this. You don't wait till you've got it to be generous. You start to live generously and you'll find you've got it to give. When when I started pastoring, I was 20 years old when I pastored my first church. Don't you feel sorry for those people? Some people say, wasn't it hard pastoring you when you were 20? No, because when I was 20, I knew everything, right? Now I haven't got a clue what's going on. But when I was 20, I knew everything. It was dead easy. So I, start, I started pastoring when I was 20, a little church in the northeast of England, and a tiny church, tiny congregation, tiny income, tiny wage. So I was making what in today's money would be the equivalent of $15,000 a year. It was hard, it was really hard. I was working full-time to try to build and develop this church, and we were struggling for every penny. We were broke. We, you know, and, and then children started to come along. We didn't have the money to buy much for our kids. We didn't have the money to buy much clothes. My wife, thankfully, is, is an absolute whiz with a sewing machine, and she used to make the kids' clothes. We'd go to a place, you know, like Michael's, that kind of place, awful places, right? It's as close to hell as I hope I'll ever get, Michael's. <laughs> but, but, but we used to go and there was a section where they'd sell off the little odds and ends of cloth and she'd go and buy some material, go home, make a dress for our daughter, whatever else. She actually once made a pair of pants for me. They didn't quite work out because one leg was shorter than the other. But I learned to walk that way and they looked good. <laughs> But we were still generous when we had nothing. See, generosity's got nothing to do with what we've got in our bank account. And the thing is this, if you don't embrace generosity now, I promise you, you will not be generous later, wherever you are at in life. Jesus illustrated that in a story he told in Luke 12. Then he told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. So here's this guy, he's stinking rich already. His his barns are already full. He has this bumper harvest. So what's his thought? Maybe I could give this to some people who've got nothing. Maybe I could take this opportunity to help other people out. I don't really need it, so where could it best be used? No, that wasn't what he did. Verse 18, then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather all my grain and goods. I'll say to myself, soul, you've done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. You know what he did when he really prospered? When he prospered, he did what he had always done. Because more money doesn't make you more generous. Listen to this bit. More money just makes you more of what you are already. I'll say it again in case you didn't pick it up because it's good. More money just makes you more of what you are already. So knowing it's more blessed to give than to receive. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm talking about living generously today because here's, here's the bottom line. I want you to be blessed. I embraced that principle in Proverbs when I was 13 years old. And I'm standing here today, and I want to tell you this, it works. I'm standing here today, and I'm blessed. I'm standing here today, and God has been so good. I'm standing here today, and, 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 and the reality is I've seen the hand of God over and over and over again in every area of my life. I didn't say being generous meant that I had everything I needed, did I? Let me rephrase that, because that didn't come out right. I didn't say being generous gave me everything I wanted, right? But being generous has provided me with everything I needed. I didn't say it's shielded me from some of the hardships of life, and some of the sadness of life, and some of the grief of life, but I'm telling you this, I've lived a blessed life and continue to live a blessed life, and at the root of it is this, God is faithful to his promises, I want to encourage you, live generously. And generosity has got nothing to do with what you've got in the bank. It's got everything to do with what you've got in your hearts. So two things I want to get to just now. That was the introduction. You ready? <laughs> I hope you brought sandwiches. Here we go. Generous people plan to be generous. Generous. Generous people plan to be generous. It's not a random thing. I guess we all, from time to time, see those TV commercials with the emaciated dogs and, and neglected dogs, and it's kind of tugs at your heart. Or the kids in some third world country, and they're asking for sponsorship. And we see, we see those, those kinds of things, and they, they can really get to us. And if you contribute to them, that's fantastic. That's giving. It's not necessarily being a generous person and having a general heart overall. There's a difference. Giving isn't the same as generosity. Generosity is part of your identity. It becomes part of who you are. It's not just we see a need and it touches us and we say, oh, I want to give something there. It becomes a way of life for us. Generous people plan to be generous. Isaiah 32, verse eight, says this. Generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to be generous. It would be a wonderful thing if you went out of here today with this thought in mind. Is there a way in which I can plan to be more generous, and they stand firm in that commitment, the generous plan to do what is generous, and the reality is that, you know, we live in a culture which plans to consume, That's the plan. Here's the next thing I want. And and you know what? What I really want to do is is upgrade to this. And we're looking forward to being able to spend. And what the Bible encourages us to do is to plan to be generous. Remembering what Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When when, when I... I I was looking, I belong to a Facebook group. Some of you might be as well, uh, belong as well. It's called Long Island Food and Drink because, you know, uh, I I like to eat. That's why Bert and I get on so well. You know, we, we generally choose the great place, good places to eat. It's generally, it's generally raw fish and uh, love to hang out together over food. And, and so I, I, I'm interested in that. I, I saw somebody posted a, a few months ago now, and this guy said, I was out east with my son. On the way back, I stopped at this particular restaurant. This was good. That was good. The other was good. Only cost us 100 bucks for the two of us. And that was the post. And, and I just paused and thought, that guy thought nothing of dropping 100 bucks randomly on an unplanned meal. And some of you might have been out last night, and good for you, you might have been out for dinner and you dropped $100 or more than $100 or maybe it was a concert or something else and you dropped more than 100 bucks or, or whatever it is. But the thing is, the thing is this, I want to ask you this question, and I can ask it because I'm a guest and I may not be back for five years if ever, <laughs> all right? So, so I'm going to ask you this question, how much do you value this? See, oh, that went quiet, right? That went quiet, all right? Because we're getting to the nitty-gritty. And I'm not doing this because I'm a nasty guy. I'm a nice guy. I know most of you don't know me, but ask somebody who knows me. I'm a nice guy. But I'm doing this because I want you to enjoy the blessing of living a generous life. And there are folks who don't think anything of what they'll do for entertainment, amusement, dinner on a Saturday night, but when it comes to Sundays, they like, yeah, that'll do. Now, you might be sitting and thinking, Roger, you're saying, you know, I need, you're saying I should do that twice on a weekend, drop that much Saturday night, drop that much Sunday morning. I can't do that. No, that's fine. Perhaps you can't do that. So pick which is most important. Oh, darn, did I just, <laughs> I, did I just lose you all? <clears throat> generous people plan to be generous. And this stuff, and God gives us a pattern for that. And many of you know where that pattern is. It's in the book of Malachi. God says in in Malachi 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithe, bring a tenth of your income into the storehouse. Bring it to the place where you're fed that there may be food in my house. Listen to this next bit. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'd been pastoring for seven or eight years and I was at a point where I I totally prided myself that I never preached on giving, on money, on tithing. I don't talk about that stuff. I'm not about that stuff. Arrogant young man I was. Then one night my wife and I were doing Bible reading together and we were reading at that point through the minor prophets and we'd come to Malachi chapter three. And we read Malachi chapter 3, which I knew pretty well, and verse 10, which I was totally aware of, hit me in a way that it never hit me before. It wasn't the first bit about bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. It was the second bit where God said, and I will open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't be able to contain it. And I'm thinking, you know what? I've been ripping my people off. I want our church family to be blessed. I want them to have so much blessing they won't be able to contain it. And here's a way in which folks are gonna live a blessed life. And I've been selling them short because I wouldn't tell them about it because I was afraid they'd misunderstand me. And, and you know what? I, I, I totally ask God for forgiveness. And I tell you this, whatever I was planning to preach the following Sunday, I didn't. I preached from Malachi 3 because here's the bottom line. When God said this, he obviously expected some pushback because he says, he says, test me in this. That's interesting because when the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus told him, you mustn't test the Lord your God. But in Malachi 3, God said, test me. Give this a try, test me. Come on, it's for those of you that are fans of a Christmas story, then the coup de grace. Of all dares, the sinister triple dog dare. (laughs) Test me, says God. Test me. Give it a try and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you won't be able to contain. I did not just say that if you are generous in giving, you're going to get rich. I didn't say that, right? I say God's going to pour out blessing in your life. I'm not rich in some ways. I am rich in a million other ways. And God has been absolutely faithful to what he's been saying. I'm not just trying to peddle some idea of mine here. I'm reflecting on so many years of ministry and saying, please, please, learn from God's word. Learn from what I've learned over all these years. The pathway to a blessed life is to be generous. But generous people plan to be generous. I was going to say some more stuff, but it's not going to fit in. So we'll leave it there. I'll finish this in five years' time. (laughs) I hope you get the heart of what I'm saying. It is more blessed to give than to live a generous life in your giving to ministry, in your giving to church. Darn, when you tip the server in the diner today, live a generous life. Be known as a person who who, who gives. Be known as a person who goes above and beyond and you will never ever suffer from it. That's not what I'm saying. It's what God says. When about six weeks from now, we will celebrate the 25th anniversary of starting our church. I, I, I can 't believe 25 years have gone by, but it was it was the summer of 1998 that I sat down with a few friends of mine, and um, we talked about starting a church that we wanted to be more relevant, more contemporary and uh, preached a strong message of God's grace and really was shaped so that those who didn't know Jesus would feel comfortable, welcome, and wanted and could come to know Christ. And that's how our church started. We, um, we had nothing to get it started. We met together right about this time, the end of August, 1998. And it was a case of, well, when do you think we should start? Look, I gotta admit, I hadn't read any of the books about church planting. There weren't many of them. I didn't know all you were meant to do. I just had at that stage 28 years of ministry experience. And so we just, so, so we're about when will we start? I said first Sunday in October. Six weeks this was gonna be. Six weeks time, from we'll start our church. We had nothing. We had no place to do, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> no place to do services, no equipment, uh, no nothing, uh, no way to get word out to anybody. And we had no money. So, so, but here we are. Six weeks' time, we're going to start our church. We found a place to do service. It's uh, it used to be called the Inn at Medford on the um, on Route One Twelve, just immediately south of the expressway. I think it's a days Inn now, but we 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 booked that place. Uh, but we had nothing. And one day, I got a call from a friend of mine, and uh, he said we'd been talking on and off about planning the church. He said. You're going to be doing it? I said, yeah, we are. We're going to be starting in six weeks' time. He said, well, you know what? I, I want to make sure you've got something to get started with. I'm going to send you a check. And he sent me a check for $15,000. That's a check, right? So like, okay, we got 15 grand. Okay, that's good. A lady who used to help me out with some office stuff came in one day, and she said to me, um, Roger, um, I, want to, I want to give you something. There's a check here. She'd give me a check for $2,000, a few days after that, I saw her again when I was visiting a different ministry to help them out, and she happened to be there. She said, I thought, I thought I'd see you over here today, and uh, I just want to give you this, and it was envelope, and on the back it said Hallmark, so I figured, that's nice of her, it's a card to wish us well, and I, I wasn't that excited, you know, so I passed it to my wife and said, hey, look, we've got a card. She opened the card, she looked in, and she said, I think you should look at this. It was a check for $23,000. Whoa. And then a lady came into my door, and she said, a lady I'd known for years, and she said to me, I want to be the first to contribute. I didn't tell her she wasn't. (laughs) She said, I want to be the first to contribute. She gave me a check for $1,000. So now we had $41,000 in hand. I had planned previously that at that time, around that time, I was gonna to go to Spain to visit a couple I knew who were church planting in Spain. And I, I, I went to Spain for a few days to visit with them. They were doing a phenomenal job there. And, and it came up in conversation that their computer basically had died. It was the only one that they had. And, and really, they, um, you know, they, they, they didn't have the resources. So I say, look, I'll tell you what to do. Let's go to a computer store, price out what you're gonna need, and once our church is up and running and we've got some missions money in hand, we'll do our best to help you out. So we went to this computer store and uh, we priced up what they need. You know, the computer, the monitor, the whole kit and caboodle. And the total cost was $4,100. Now, if that registered with any of you, We had $41,000 for our new church and that was $4,100. I tried to live generously all of my life but I had a hard time that day. It 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 seemed totally straightforward. It's like, that's a tithe of what you've got. And then on the other side, I'm thinking, do I really have to tithe on what we've got to start the church? Can I really afford to give it away? It's all that we've got. And this whole battle went on in my mind. You know, uh, you, you shouldn't do it. You're going to find yourself, you know, in difficulty if you do it. <clears throat> I told them, tell them to put the computer and everything on layaway. And as soon as I got back to the States, I'll send you $4,100. And I want to tell you this, from that day to this day, our church was not and has not been impoverished because we gave to others when we were perhaps in more need ourselves in some ways. Because the bottom line is this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. If you will commit to generous living, you're going to find God committing to you in a whole new way. 73 years of life, 54 years of marriage, 53 years of ministry. Take it from somebody who's proven it. Live generously. Live generously. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your unbelievable generosity to us. That you loved us so much that you sent Jesus into this world for us. God, you are a God of unbelievable, caring, loving, giving. God, help us to be a true reflection of you, we pray. God, help us to grasp the truths you encourage us towards so that we might live the blessed life you want for us to its fullest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, God bless you. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUENORTH to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.